Remember, if you ever find yourself in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body. It's Kenny, it's Patricia, maybe Kaylee answers the line. Look for them on Facebook, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They're right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. So you're riding along and you're maybe minding your own business and going the speed limit, and boom, you just never know when you can find yourself in an accident. You have people that are texting and driving, or they're drunk drivers, or you have people that they're compromised, or they're they're on something, or whatever it may be. People just, they're not paying attention. They're texting. They go through a stop sign. They go through a red light. Uh, they drive very recklessly through a parking lot, and all of a sudden, you have damaged your vehicle. Well, the first thing you want to do is call 911, fill out a police report. If you can drive your vehicle, your first phone call is to West Fountain, 401 272 Maybe you know someone. Do you have a family member or a friend or someone you work with that was in a car accident? Listen, it's it's uh, number one, it shakes you up. Number two, hopefully you're okay. But number three, let's get the car fixed. Call West Fountain, 272-3340. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Now, if you're in an accident and you can't drive your vehicle, it was that badly damaged, when the tow truck shows up, tell them, bring this vehicle to West Fountain Auto Body. Look for them on Facebook. This is where I would bring your car. This is where I bring friends, car, family. They will repair your vehicle. They'll handle everything for you. Showroom-like condition. Get it back on the road. West Fountain Auto Body. Since 1927, 401-272-3340. 401-272-3340. Look for them on Facebook, West Fountain Auto Body. It's the John DePietro Show. Our segment is Politics This Week. And joining us is the managing editor for OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off with obviously uh, the obvious one. And we're talking about local politics Um, in regards to the coronavirus. What's interesting is we really haven't seen anything, uh, I don't think, um, anything in a visible way from Senators Reid, Senators Whitehouse. Uh, I haven't heard anything from Congressman Langevin. I've seen a the only reason I've seen anything from Congressman Cicilline really is because his people tend to kind of go into overdrive and get him um, publicity in different ways. And then I, I see him sometimes on social media. But let's just start with the delegation. Um, have you seen anything from them that would kind of warrant you to say like, hey, that's, you know, they're taking action. That's leadership or or maybe right now it, it does seem to be more of just things like at a statewide level. Well, I, I haven't seen anything from any of them, but in, in a way that's, I think, appropriate because this isn't, um, this. a lot of the decisions are rightly made at the state level in, a, in something, in an issue like this. Um, there was a little bit of a dust up in Congress over funding to help you know, people who are, who are having issues with the economic harm of this. And there was some wrangling in Congress over abortion with that, that pretty quickly tamped down, which is all appropriate and, and probably one of the few things in this in this whole mess that I, I think has been going as it should and hasn't been as politicized as it might otherwise have been. You know what I think is interesting about this, Justin, and then we're going to talk about Governor Mundo and, and a lot more, but I think something is 
uh, what's the basic role of government? And the basic role of government is to really protect people and keep people safe in case of, you know, some kind of an emergency. It then evolved into, and, and you see it in different ways, of they have all different ideas of it should be about climate change. It should be about how people should live and diversity and all these different things. But what it really comes back to is the, the, the whole essence of it is basically to protect people and provide basic services. And so far, uh, any, to me, government official that, that hasn't realized that, they're, they're really behind the eight ball. Well, certainly. I mean, that's the, the primary role of government is to, to do what we can't do unless you can every now and then force people to do things. I mean, otherwise, there's no reason to have government. What strikes me about a lot of this, this whole, this whole worldwide, uh, at this point, I, I think you still have to call it kind of a hysteria, is a lot of what or originated, it was in countries like Italy and, and Iran, which are very poorly run. Um, and so I think we get a sense of when government doesn't act, when it, when it overreaches and tries to do more than it can do, that's when you get into trouble. So I think to me, a lot of this, the, the role of government idea in this is you need to be, your society be, to be running in a healthier way uh, and in the long term. And a lot of the way you do that is by focusing on the proper role of government. I mean, if you look at Switzerland, they've got a lot of a lot of cases of the coronavirus uh, per capita, but the death rate is essentially like an ordinary flu. Now that might change as the numbers change, but it, it's an indication versus Italy where it's I think 7% death rate. Uh, that's, that's because government is not doing what it's supposed to be doing and the society is kind of letting it expand. And that's where I think we have to get worried in a civil libertarian kind of a way is a lot of what, what frightens me about this episode is how quickly people have been to just say, okay, yeah, we have to get ahead of this virus. So shut everything down. It's, it's kind of disconcerting. And then you see people on even prominent people on social media, you know, attacking others who refuse to stay inside and who go out and, and even when they don't have an emergency to go buy toilet paper or something, uh, that readiness to capitulate to government just when they say, okay, there's this thing we need to get ahead of it and flatten the curve. I, I think that's a worrying sign. And I think that's, that's going to be exploited to our detriment in the future. What do you think of, um, let's just stick with the locals. How do you think uh, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker is doing? How do you think Governor Raimondo is doing? And I'm, I'm interested to hear if you think they're overreaching or telling bars and restaurants now shut down, schools being closed. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you think they're doing and if you think that that they are either helping the situation or maybe making it worse or overreacting. Well, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I was going through all the latest numbers across the world, around the world today, and, you know, we're, we're still at 20 cases in Rhode Island. I think it's hard to make the hard to say. Uh, we have a crisis right now. What we have is a hysteria over a possible future crisis. Uh, and it, so I think, I think a lot of what Governor Baker and Governor Raimondo have been doing has, has been an overreaction. And that has been part of the snowball of this. I mean, a, a week ago, I spoke with a pulmonologist who handles uh, you know, at-risk populations. And she was saying, you know, it's, it's probably worse than the flu, but we're, you have to balance that against quality of life and et cetera, et cetera. And that's for vulnerable populations. We've gone completely off the rails on that. Uh, just 
now suddenly it's everybody stay home and don't go outdoors. There's, it's, it's a, a lunacy. And the reason wasn't that we discovered something about the virus. It wasn't that some scientist came out and said, oh, look, this is actually really much worse because of X, Y, Z and the chemicals. And it, what happened was just this kind of snowballing hysteria. And I, from what I could see, it started with Harvard and then Governor Raimondo. And then, you know, once that starts, every organization feels like they have to follow suit because if something happens and they didn't follow the lead of others, then they'll be blamed for that. And once once you've got all these states and organizations taking these extreme measures, then everybody else starts to say, well, there must be something more to this. And so I, I think we're, we're, we're way beyond how we ought to be reacting here. And, and a lot of that was the start of, of Governor Raimondo was one of the the first out with this, and it did it got her on MSNBC, where she's you know Jake Tapper's leading her to criticize the federal government, and she's you know we had to get we're two weeks behind, we have to get ahead of this. It's I, I think we need to we need to take some breathers, and I, I understand it's it's kind of frightening, especially since we've had 20, 30 years of movies about contagions and zombie apocalypses and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think we're it does have that feel of kind of political exploitation. I didn't, um, I did not, uh, Jake Tapper's actually on CNN. I know the governor was on MSNBC I, I, with I Chuck named Todd. the wrong one. Okay. That's it. I, I, so you're, I, I just want to make yeah. sure I didn't know if I had missed an appearance she made. You're talking, yeah. she was on MSNBC with Chuck Todd. Yeah. I okay. Now I, I also want to just touch on, I have not, and I follow it, pre- I think pretty closely. Have you, is there some official who has said, don't go outside? I haven't seen that. No, no, I'm just saying that's that's the attitude that starts to get permeate there because we started with and in this regard, I, I think we'll, I mean, we'll we'll see what she says today and this week. But well, so, so far, on. the government's I, been I, more tempered than Charlie I, Baker. OK, and I want to touch on that, but I just want to uh, 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 make a difference between and just I want to be clear on what's a government official is actually saying and what um, and, and, and what, you know, was actually someone's just posting online or something like that. The other thing is. This is fluid and people are going to hear this at different times. So I, I hate to zero in on numbers or saying today or things like that, because mm-hmm. it is going to fluctuate as the, the week goes along. The, the numbers to me almost seem like when you're giving out the temperature and you're not sure where it's going to go. But I, I've heard I, I think there should be more explanation when people say yourself to self, you, you're able to self or you should self quarantine. I was going to argue that I think they should ex- explain that doesn't mean you have to stay in the house. You can be on your property. You could be in your yard. You could be in your deck. Uh, you could be out somewhere. You don't have to be cluttered in a room, you know, binging Netflix. Um, and and I just I, I, I think that's something that should be said as opposed to. And I just want to be clear. You're not saying you heard a government official say you, you cannot go outside. You're, you're saying oh, no. that was just someone online. OK. Well, now, I was saying that's, the, that's how it snowballs. You go from, you know. Mayor Alorza shutting down uh, restaurants and saying you can only have so right. many people, hundred people. You go from that to uh, people, um, you know, even prominent politically active people on, say, Facebook. So it's not just you know the guy down the street saying these folks going out to bars are irresponsible, and we, I can't believe the local government's letting them do that. So you get those people saying that, and then you get the people who feel like, what am I supposed to even do? Can I, I can I go out? And I, so I think that's how it snowballs. And I think that's part of the danger, the risk of this whole, let's get ahead of this thing. You do cause harm. And I think one of the, I've actually been criticized quite a bit in the past week for saying this, but you have to look at the other side of the ledger. There are people who are going to be hurt and 
possibly to the point of suicide or not taking medicine they need because they're being harmed economically. And so there, there are two, you know, the whole, if we could only save one life attitude doesn't really work at this level because people are going to be hurt by our reaction. And I think we're. This portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by MEGA, MEGA professionals. Call them today. 508 336 7801-508-336-7801. Now, what exactly do they do, MEGA professionals? They are here to help you run your business by finding you workers. And maybe you need workers. Maybe you need drivers, workers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, uh, local, aka sleep-at-home drivers, class A, B, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled workers, labor, healthcare professionals, office professionals. You need workers. You need MEGA, M-E-G-A professionals. You're trying to run your business. Listen, it's a hassle trying to hire people, go through all the resumes, set up the interviews. Instead, it's one phone call to help you with your company. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA professionals. It's John DePietro, weekdays from 11 to 2. Remember, it's on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online. Visit the website, dipietro.com. You can contact me there. You can also, uh, if you want to find out about advertising on the program, you can read the independent report. And if you ever miss any part of the show, just go to dipietro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Stop it and see Ron and Melissa their bakery cafe 170 royal little drive in providence now they're right off silver spring street look for their facebook page ron's pastry gourmet they have delicious zeppelas they have everything you need for saint patrick's day they have cookies and pastry they have chocolate covered donuts they have cannolis ron's pastry gourmet world famous you'd always see them at water fire there'd be a line around the block everything is fresh brownies cakes pies and they have the exclusive Trump pastry. That's right, making pastry great again. Try some of the Trump cupcakes or the Trump cannolis. You're going to love it. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. They're new. They're open. 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. They are right next door to a AAA location in Providence, right off of Silver Spring Street. Again, stop it and see them making pastry great again. They have the uh, Trump gift basket that you can get that's always terrific but everything is fresh ron for 55 years what does he do he creates delicious fresh pastry and it's and for perfect for saint patrick's day for a trump rally ron's pastry gourmet look for them on facebook and again cookies pastry uh brownies chocolate covered donuts cannolis zapolas and everything all trump pastry as well Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence, right off of Silver Spring Street. Saying that. Folks, it's John DePietro. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I'm speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. Our segment is Politics This Week. Hey, Justin, I want to stay on that for just a moment because I think um, the government officials, I, I think Governor Mundo, they, it's too much of we, it, it's falling back into like the washing the hands and that type of thing. I think they need to get into more specifics, such as 
uh, I think they should be very clear telling people do not hoard items. You know, don't go to BJ's or some of these other stores or grocery stores and buy up as much toilet paper as you can see. Don't these things create panic. I don't think they've given enough warnings about that. Uh, it's it's fine to be out and about just if you need to go to the store, it should be for food or medicine or no one sh- I should be told you can't go and get toilet paper. But I do believe like those people that were in Newport, St. Patrick's Day parade, uh, they, there was no parade, but just going out in Newport for St. Patrick's Day. I, I found that to be a little bit of the, they're not helping the situation until they get a handle on it. But I think they could also they should be more. People are looking for direction. People don't know what to do. And I find that Governor Amundo, I, I don't know about you, I can't stand when they start off the press conference and they start off by immediately congratulating themselves and patting themselves on the back and, and they've been working nonstop and everything. Because what you're really seeing is, and around the world, is it's, it's the hospitals that get overwhelmed. It's the hospitals and the workers there that um, there's two doctors right now that are in critical care, one in New Jersey, one in Washington state because they, they became contaminated with it. So emergency room doctors. Um, I think this also, and it's a little bit of a larger discussion, but I, I think this completely shuts down the Bernie Sanders idea of social medicine, because what we are used to is you contact your doctor, you go see your doctor, you don't feeling well, you, you bring in the Bernie Sanders in Medicare and Medi- Medicare for all and healthcare for all. That's, I think that's one of the problems with Italy is because that's why then you see these people out on cots in a, in a gymnasium or in a courtyard and, and they don't have enough beds and everything is because everyone just floods into the local hospital. Well, I think, I think it's even more telling than that. I mean, Italy from the statistics I was able to find has about one third the number of hospital beds per capita that the United States has. And what it reminded me of something back when we were all debating health source Rhode Island and Obamacare was one of the, one of the, common wisdom items offered by those who said we needed more socialized care so we could get the costs under control was that we, you know, quote, we had, we know we have too many hospital beds in Rhode Island because, you know, so there's, there's excess beds and that's one way we can get cost out of the system. Well, you know, how would that work out for us right now if we had succeeded in reducing the number of hospital beds? Um, so what worries me is I think people tend to draw the wrong lessons uh, from these things. So they'll, they'll say, oh, we didn't have enough hospital beds. That means we need means we need to take control of things and ensure that we have more hospital beds from a government dictate. So I'm not sure that it, I mean, it, it ought to put the, put the end to the idea of socialized medicine, but it, it probably won't. And that's, that's, uh, that's concerning. And I think that goes hand in hand with the, the, the idea that government ought to be telling businesses how many people can come in and, and that sort of thing. I agree with you that the, the role of government in this should mainly be informational. So when there's a mess, a public health message, the governor comes out and says, okay, folks, cool it with the toilet paper. <laughs> you know, your, your neighbor needs that too. Um, so let's, let's have a little bit of common sense here. That's an appropriate role to repeatedly do that. But the, once you start getting people comfortable with the idea that to get ahead of something, the government has to start closing down businesses, telling kids not telling Congress not to send their kids to daycare, all those sorts of things, you know, at the outset, when we're still dealing with a really small percentage of people, uh, that's, that's where I think we, we are priming ourselves to go in exactly the wrong direction as far as the role of government. I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think Governor Raimondo should, 
the briefings seem to be more like updates as opposed to, and maybe I get it, it's all new, but a couple of things that I've noticed, observations. Number one, that Dr. Nicole Scott, uh, the head of the Rhode Island Health Department, people should keep in mind, and I did post this on my Facebook page, her first reaction when this story first hit, I pulled up February 6th was the first story that I could find, and she was saying the big message she wanted people to take away was don't discriminate, and there was a lot of anti-Asian bias from this. And she was still saying that really till the end of February. Now, to me, that completely missed the curve. That was putting political correctness uh, over, you know, the whole reason why people were hesitant. And the president, President Trump was getting criticized for, for shutting off flights to China is because that's where it originated from. So political correctness comes in there. And you know what else, Justin Katz? I can't help but when I see Governor Mundo on with Chuck Todd, and then, you know, Vice President Biden says that uh, if he's the nominee, a woman is definitely going to be on the ticket as his, as his running mate. To me, a problem I have with Governor Mundo is it's still like she's rehearsing because she wants national attention. She didn't get it with, you know, Bloomberg because that campaign totally sizzled out. She also made a huge miscalculation by backing Bloomberg. And maybe they feel, oh, you know, maybe Biden, uh, there's something could still be in the mix. And you just say, hey, listen, I'm sorry I didn't endorse you right away, but my, Bloomberg's my friend. Um, I can't help but I don't feel she is. Um, I go back to like Governor Garrahi when he, you know, he obviously wasn't auditioning for a national role during the blizzard when he was showing up on a flannel shirt. And, and, um, and, and just that was just the way it was. Here's what I know. Giving direction, uh, giving useful information. Governor Raimondo, she has not really acknowledged the Cranston West kids, which is a major problem. And I think Mayor Fung was actually too light with his message. I think it needs to be aimed at the parents. And number two, when when Governor Raimondo was asked, what do you think of the, the video that Mayor Fung put out? Now, she said, oh, I didn't see it. Now, that to me was her knee jerk reaction because, you know, their political rivals, enemies, if you will. You have the major of the, the mayor of your second largest city doing a message to students, telling them this is not a vacation. This is serious. You need to stay in the house. And she said she was unaware of it. To, the problem I have with Governor Mundo, and I've been trying to struggle with it, Justin Katz, but I, she just can't separate the politics. I, I always feel I'm getting rehearsed spin from them and not real accurate information. What do you think? I think so. And I think um, a lot of it, you, I, you get the impression, particularly on MSNBC or that sort of thing, there's there's a sense because of the history of you know, statesmanlike handling of, of crises that this is this is a way for her to return to save some of that face. I, kind, I personally, I went to the same the same place you did. I, a week ago, she was making terrible political decisions about Bloomberg, and now here she is back on national television because she was a, in a, at the forefront of governors taking action. So I, I think there's a lot of that to it. And I, I guess it ties back to my kind of skepticism about the whole thing to the extent that, you know, she it's kind of easy to be to appear statesmanlike when you don't actually have a crisis yet. You're trying to get ahead of one. Uh, there, there's really, you know, our hospitals are not overwhelmed. It's, it's kind of easy to be calm and, and statesmanlike when that happens. Uh, and I, I think it's a testament to our, our dangerous times that, that it's, it does feel political. I, you know, during a, a blizzard when the governor's out there uh, 20, 30 years ago uh, in a flannel shirt, giving information, being very stable for the, for the people, I, 
I don't think at that time people were make saw it in a political light, but at this point, everything is divisive and political. And I think that's, that's an environment in which, which she's helped to create. And I think she's, she's trying to exploit that to some. Everyone is talking about germs, about algae, about mildew. No, I know they're talking about the virus. What about some of the viruses outside your home? As the weather's getting warmer, now is the time. Let's make your property, home or business, look as best it can with Bethel Softwash. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel Softwash. Now, you can text Jared at Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L, Bethel Softwash of Lincoln. Free day, free same-day text estimate at 401-617-2585. Text him at 401 617 2585. And what I mean is, if you text Jared, this is what my house looks like. He'll give you a free estimate right there. I'm talking outside your home. I encourage you to visit their Facebook page and you can see the before and after and what a difference it makes. Bethel soft washing is the low pressure system. It won't harm the surface. Low pressure H2O combined with the biodegradable chemical removes those biological elements like uh, algae and uh, mildew, and you don't need it. The biodegradable plant-safe solution. Wait to see the difference. Now, I tell people, go to, uh, log on to the Facebook page, Bethel Certified Softwash. Bethel Softwash, and look at the before and after. What a difference it makes. Bethel Certified Softwash Power Wash for your home, for your business, for your walkway, for your patio, for your deck. Make your home look beautiful. Get rid of that mold and algae instead Bethel certified softwash you can also text Jared at 401-617-2585 make an appointment free estimate 401-617-2585 and look for them on Facebook it's Bethel certified softwash right in Lincoln Bethel certified softwash Folks, it's John DePietro. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Speaking with Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceansTakeCurrent.com. Our segment is Politics This Week. Justin, I want to move on to um, a story. There's other, there are a few other stories, although the coronavirus obviously dominates the most, and with, with good reason. Um, I also, just one final note on that. I think the situation, from what I understand, is actually more serious than she's leading people to believe. Um, and one of the reasons they're telling people to call their doctor first is I am hearing from people at the hospitals that the emergency rooms are overwhelmed and it's very difficult because you could have people coming in that are contagious. So it's, um, I, I think she's trying to, uh, in her mind, like not create panic, but then at the same time, because of the message they're giving, I think they're giving people almost a false sense of security. But I want to touch on your thoughts on the the, um, the Jeff Britt case that's going to be coming up. And that is, if this coronavirus was not going on, it would obviously be a huge story. The courts are closed. So I believe Speaker Mattiello, unless something changes, I don't think he has to worry about getting indicted uh, while the courts are closed. But the um, the Brit people and the people that they added to their witness list. And I've noticed um, that especially the story in the Providence Journal where they're um, they're taking a much more his attorney, former U.S. attorney Robert Crenty, is taking a much more aggressive tone. They are zeroing in 
and we're getting idea of the witnesses they're going to call. But basically, the Brit defense is going right after the Speaker's chief of staff, Leo Skenyon, and the Speaker himself. And they plan to put both of them on the stand during this money laundering trial for those that haven't completely followed. It goes back to the election of 2016. And um, I want to just get your thoughts on it, because if this if you didn't have the coronavirus, that that's a real bombshell that uh, he was someone he and again, I'm, you know, anyone you talk to uh, definitely like a gun for hire mercenary. Some people say very, very questionable, not credible. But he he is putting the finger right at Leo Skenyon and Speaker Mattiello. And even he says that that Skenyon went to him and wanted him to sign. I think it was an affidavit that would have said that they had no knowledge of anything that he was doing. And then he he refused to sign it. And then he was indicted shortly after that. But the um, the latest coming out of the Brit defense, he he certainly is is seems to be going right after Mattiello and Leo Skinion. Oh, certainly is. And I, I, I believe Corrente, he, he early on in this whole thing, when, when Brit was first brought into the, the spotlight on this, I, I think Corrente came out and, and gave pretty strong signals that this wasn't just going to be he wasn't just going to be a good soldier. I mean, he's he is, as, as Corrente notes, this is not the biggest the, the crime itself or alleged crime is not the biggest scandal in Rhode Island history. And yet it, it does potentially come with a 20 year prison sentence so uh, the Brits decided that he's not gonna take this lying down and he's going to he's, I don't want to say take you down with me but he's he's going to make clear from his perspective he was mainly being a good soldier in this and uh, what's what's striking is the descriptions of what they're expecting to ask and hear on the stand are pretty I mean he told me to lie pretty close to that so that that's going to be very very interesting and it, it it kind of I, what I was thinking in reading through this stuff is it's it, it has a similar feel to the convention center authority where you've got kind of behavior everybody in Rhode Island just assumes happens all the time, um, you know whether it's you know, handing money off to somebody to evade campaign finance laws or or threatening an audit to get your way with a job a crony job all that kind of stuff, and here it's it's all blowing up in Mattiello's face to some extent to to the extent this all proves true, and I think that that indicates that definitely a deeper change in the political atmosphere that people like Brit are willing to, to put up this fight in court and people like the, those at the convention center authority are willing to say, yeah, we're not going to deal with your audit. And by the way, we're going to ask the state police to look into you. That's, that's a kind of a new tone here. And I, I it certainly doesn't bode well for, for political insiders. It does indicate some, some, moving of the tectonic plates in Rhode Island. And, and that's probably to the good, but the, the Brit case is going to be, be one to watch, especially as, especially as we have a strong, probably a strong competitor on the Republican side for Mattiello's seat. That's exactly right. And not only that, uh, Justin Katz, but two other media people that are on that list. And one is Josh Fenton of Go Local Prov. And then also Dan York of WPRO. Now York was the one, he was the only one. He is very, very tight with Brit. Uh, he was the only one that had did an interview with that Shauna Lawton and uh, Fenton was basically like a gun for hire for Brit and slash Mattiello campaign. He was basically running like a, a paid gun fire. Any story they wanted him to run, he would run. And I think this also could show the underbelly 
of just how certain members of the media, uh, this goes beyond someone getting an interview and talking to someone. They, they, they were seemingly intricately involved in conversing, I believe, from what I'm told is going to show, uh, far more than what a normal interaction be- between, you know, someone in the news and, and a, a, someone, a member of the media. Uh, far more the fact that he even has them on their witness list, that he's basically, you know, sharing with them different things and must feel that there was some even conversations um, uh, uh, regarding just who, who was involved here. Because the, the, the out for Brit here has to be that he told them that those two, Skenyon and Mattiello knew about what he was doing. He was just kind of following orders. And it leads you to wonder if somehow one of those two individuals is going to say that they also spoke with, um, you know, Skenyon. I, I doubt the speaker, but if, if they can, like, I mean, you wouldn't call them unless he's calling them back up the accusations that he's making. Well, the, from my understanding, the, what they're specifically saying they're going to expecting to hear from them is that Brit had said, yes, we were involved with the Lawton Mailer um, early on and, and everybody knew about it. Um, I think you, you raise a, a very good point, though, that it does, it does start to raise bigger questions of, of kind of political and professional relationships. Uh, so that leaves out there, you know, from a prosecute, from a defense point of view, a bit of an air of this could even get worse for you insider types um, and start to make people kind of lean toward leniency on Brit's part because he, unless he can really point the finger up higher for being commanded to do something and even then you know he's not in the military I'm not sure how much cover that gives him but creating this sense that he was just a bit player in this larger thing will certainly play on a judge's mind well I would think in the case of a conviction um, to to give him a minimal sentence rather than the 20 year possibility and if it does give people more, new perspective on how things operate in Rhode Island then and that's, as I said earlier, that's that's a good thing we'll, we'll be learning from. And we, we need more of this kind of this kind of fight, you know, people who, who end up on the wrong side of, of these sorts of scandals. You know, it's also interesting if you saw the um, the uh, Ed Fitzpatrick piece in the Boston Globe. I mean, he says, currently argue Mattiello Lawton offered contradictory stories to the Board of Elections. The board only referred Brit to the attorney general. He also goes on to say that Mattiello has never been questioned about this. And this also, Justin Katz, I think this is going to shine a light on the board of elections because, you know, as well as I do, that's Steve Erickson. He is uh, he is, you know, very combatant and insulting and derogatory. And anyone that questions any of the actions there and Ken Block has really been on the receiving of that. Um, the guy goes way over the line. And he, here you have a situation where when they everyone was saying, oh, well, you know, the Board of Elections is looking into it. And then, you know, according to the Boston Globe story, Mattiello's never really been fully questioned about the matter. And he's at the heart of the whole thing. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that's it, that goes right along with the, the the idea that this a lot of this is what Rhode Islanders kind of expect. You know, when when the election Board of Elections comes out and says, oh, we're not going to. We don't find any real violation here. There, you know, there are a couple of things they could fix. You know, that that sort of thing. Or when you get an ethics commission ruling that you know, labor union uh, executives can vote on labor union bills in the house. You know, that everybody sort of says, "Yep, that's how it goes in Rhode Island." And I think that's one of the one of the uh, pieces of, of 
you know, once once people start being charged for crimes, it, it changes the atmosphere of that. This is just the way we do business here. Uh, and so hopefully yeah, the I mean, the Board of Elections has been pretty suspect under under its current leadership. And I, I, I guess this, I should disclose I've got a an open meetings exact complaint against Erickson and the Board of Elections filed right now. Good. Um, but because of a lot of this sort of behavior, it's kind of you have a feeling that there's 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 a sense of power here and a sense of playing along and just making the rules be what's convenient for the people in power rather than what they say on paper. And I, at the board of elections, I think is, is guilty of that sort of thing. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan Ryan's appliance repair. Call them today. 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Ryan's appliance repair. Now I like to tell the story. I don't mind. But one morning I went up to uh, get up to use the dryer and just had done a wash and suddenly it wouldn't work. Now, did I panic? No. Did I try to fix it? Don't be ridiculous. No, I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401-710-7096. We made an appointment. Ryan said, Juan, I'll be there at, at nine o'clock at five of nine. A truck appeared in my driveway. It said Ryan's Appliance Repair. He came right in, fixed the driver, uh, dryer, excuse me, within five minutes. And then... I think it was about two weeks later, I went to make a microwave popcorn, and then suddenly the microwave wouldn't work. So what did I do? I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401-710-7096, and then one time, even the oven wasn't working. And again, who did I call? You get the gist of the story. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, Ryan offers a senior citizen's discount. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor, and... He'll also do a Saturday appointment. It's Ryan's Appliance Repair. When your appliance is dying, you know who to call. Call Ryan, 401-710-7096. Folks, it's John DePietro. Our segment is um, This Week in Politics with Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, one more follow-up on the uh, Brit trial is just we also have to wait and see. You know, the, the fact sometimes you want to witness or what they're going to testify to, a lot of that stuff, um, it still has to kind of be cleared by the judge. It's my understanding, and, and we'll learn more, but sometimes it could just be basic hearsay. I mean, if if Brit is, te- the way I understand it, telling these individuals, um, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Leo knows about it and uh, the speaker know about it. Well, we, we don't know if, in fact, they know about it. That's just him telling that. I think it's very telling that as early as uh, or late, I should say, as last October, that according to Carenti and Brit, that Skenyon went to him and asked him to sign an affidavit that would basically say all his actions were his own. And he, you know, they're saying they want to question Skenyon about that. Now, you could read it two ways that either Brit is saying they wanted him to sign a false document and he refused to lie. Uh, I think the Scanian people could say, well, no, we, we wanted him to sign that affidavit because it's the truth is that the speaker and myself, that we had no knowledge of this. And they were asking him to sign that uh, because because that is what happened. And then that's how the, the case is going to play out. I mean, unless you know more have read something different than that, it would seem that even till last fall, that the parties were all kind of on the same page. You know, they knew what had gone down and uh, 
the way it was described to me one time is it's kind of like an all hands in the middle type of thing, like a team, uh, team on three. And then, and then he, he begged off. And then obviously then he's the one that got indicted and now he's chasing the others. But just because he's saying they went to him, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that that's, I, I'm told they're going to say they went to him to sign that because that's what happened. Well, I'm I'm sure that would be their their defense, and I, I think the name of the game for for Brit at this point is, as I said, to keep to get the to get any to, to reduce the or increase the doubt that he was a, a more than a bit player here, and to reduce any kind of sent, sentence he might get out of this. And so by bringing in, yeah, I'm, even if it's circumstantial, I mentioned to your, for example years ago that this was you know they had they knew about it it kind of it goes to an argument that this is what happened or at least it was my perspective and i'm not just making this up now that i'm, I'm in the spotlight so i, I think uh, uh, that's how I'm, I'm interpreting a lot of a lot of what they're putting forward now is is to make the case this is just at worst a misdemeanor mistake with some campaign finance laws uh let let me off easy and if you want to go after these other folks they're there for you to do that um so i i, I I think they're probably on a pretty defensive posture on that. Folks, it's John DePietro. We're speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. And Justin, I also want to give you uh, an opportunity to talk about. Now, the Rhode Island Center for Freedom Prosperity, um, I received an exciting new announcement and from some women that I know and respect and admire, and I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about it. All right. Well, the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity, which is the parent organization for the OceanStateCurrent.com, um, is working with some women to start the Rhode Island Women for Freedom uh, and Prosperity organization. And basically, they're what they want to do. You hear all the time, and it, it, it gets frustrating. You mentioned earlier the political correctness. It seems very often that radical policies are just written. You know, they're stated to be women's women's issues uh, and they're really not they're really just progressive far left policies and so this group is is looking to put a put a flag in the sand and say no the we're we're more moderate we're mainstream in our views women don't necessarily feel that way about this issue or that issue we're not all radicals and to to really show to start to to, to make it clear and that that's the case and to stop letting the progressives get away with just sort of grabbing uh, the, the mantle of, of women's issues. And so um, they've put up a website, riwomenforfreedom.org, and, and women in Rhode Island and even men uh, should, should take a look, see what they're about, and consider joining so that there can be a substantial number of people saying, no, we, women are not simply drones who follow whatever progressives tell us to believe. And I, I think they've put together a real good leadership team that'll speak well for women. One of them, a new, pretty, a pretty new face to Rhode Island is Judy Bowman, who's a nationally known uh, expert on civility and corporate etiquette. Uh, and so I think this may have, this group may have larger implications for how we communicate in Rhode Island than just, you know, salvaging the, the reality of, of women having diverse political views. Justin, also, um, do you think, um, you know, what a group has, has been silent is um, the whole it's interesting to me, but the whole women's caucus and they made so much headlines and such a big deal about it. And they're breaking off. And this all came about when they were having the Democratic committee party. And then there was the controversy with former Senator Steve Alves when a pig 
grunts or oinks. Or, I, I don't remember even what, what he said or whatever it was, but you know what I mean. But um, I, I, aren't you, I'm a little surprised at that how, how quiet, unless I just don't get the press releases, but how quiet they've been during the, uh, during the presidential debates. Yeah, they have been pretty quiet. I, it makes you wonder if the, if the powers who be in Rhode Island kind of watched the whole the Steve Alves episode and, and things sort of unraveling a little bit and in behind the scenes said, okay, hold on, let's, let's back up and all come back together on this. Um, but we're also not in the middle of, I mean, they're, they're locally focused that group uh, and they're, they've got their sights on more moderate Democrats, I think in the general assembly. Uh, and so I don't know that national debates would necessarily be in their purview. There's a story in the Providence journal political scene that Susiecki apparently they threw out at a Republican state committee meeting. And this is something you hear from time to time. Uh, well, actually, I remember it really flared up back in right around 06. Uh, but what it's about is whether or not the Republicans should close their primary. And people may not think, you know, what's a big deal. But right now, uh, the way Rhode Island is, like a lot of other states, you can be an un affiliated voter. And when you go to the polls on primary day, you could ask either for a Democrat ballot to vote in the Democrat primary or a Republican ballot. Now, a lot of people found out that they were not unaffiliated. I remember in 2016, it was April of 2016, almost four years ago, and they went to the polls on primary day and they wanted to vote for then candidate Donald Trump. And they found out they couldn't because they were a registered Democrat. And so you have the unaffiliated voters. Well, now you have apparently a push within the Republican uh, Party to move towards a closed party. Now, I have some thoughts on that, but I'd like to know if you have any thoughts on that. What do you think is behind it? Have you heard anything? Uh, and then I'll share with you what I what I what I believe is going on. Well, as you said, this does come and go uh, depending on the, the outcome of the recent elections. And I, I think, you know, it's one of those issues I could kind of go either way on the idea that, you know, it's, it's Republican Party and Republicans, you ought to be willing to say you're a Republican to, to define your party and its candidate. That, that does have some validity there. And it, there is, because Republicans are increasingly a minority in Rhode Island, there does create the opportunity for for the opposition, the other side to mess with your, your primary. On the other hand, you know, if you want your your party to be representative and have a stronger voice, then maybe it ought to be open. If you have a closed primary, you're going to increase uh, the likelihood of, say, a moderate party that could mess you up for for elections, many elections to come. Um, so I think that's a consideration. Uh, my understanding, and this might just be the spin, is that it's because the state law has now reduced the amount of time you have to to be disaffiliated. So it used to be you had to make the decision, I think, 90 days before the primary, and now it's um, 30 days. That's It's reasonable that it would come up for discussion at that point, just to take, as Susanke said, to take the temperature of the folks, who, the Republicans who make this decision, see what they are thinking. Uh, and so I, as far as I know, that's um, that's the extent of it. But you might, you might have more information than I do. I did. I, I remember. I mean, for those... This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Whether it's heating or cooling, 
you can depend on J. Kale Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call them today at 401-351-7600. Listen, we still have a number of months ahead. You're going to need the heat. We don't know what's going to happen. March can still be chilly. April can still be obviously chilly. The heating season. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a natural gas high efficiency carrier infinity system. They're energy efficient. They're quiet. More affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. Highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, Carrier Factory Authorized Dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 53 years, JKL's reputation, second to none. Technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved National Grid VPI installer. Call JKL Engineering today. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, for a heat pump. They're going to do it right. They're going to do it right the first time. And remember, with JKL Engineering, they'll keep it nice and cool in the summertime and nice and warm in the wintertime. Central Air is a life changer. Central Air is a game changer. And right now, estimates are free. Financing is available. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, the original, the best, J.K.L. Engineering. Call them 401-351-7600, 401-351-7600 for J.K.L. Engineering. Remember, for your business, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508 336 21 and MEG Mega Truck and Trailer Repair, commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Remember, free estimates. Call them today, 508 336 2110. Mega Truck and Trailer Repair, FHWA Inspections or Rhode Island State Inspection Station, Trailer Pickup and Delivery, 24 hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them. 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110 for MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. That remember, and I, I was very aware of what was going on, and it was 06, and it, it had to do with that Laffey-Chafee primary. Because at the time, if you remember, Steve Laffey, his whole campaign, polling, everything was basically built around beating Chafee with Republicans in a primary. And he was polling incredibly well with Republicans and always beating Chafee in Republican polls. But what happened was at one point you had two primaries for Senate. You had Matt Brown against uh, then uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, the former attorney general. And what happened was the Brown campaign completely, you know, came apart. And basically because of the way they were doing the, the funds where they were, basically sending checks and with fundraising and they violated that. Um, so Matt Brown basically faded and that left a lot of Democrats and others who were Chafee supporters to come into the Republican primary and vote. If that had been a close race at Matt Brown, who at one point was moving pretty good speed, if he had been able to keep that up and could have had been a real competitive challenge to then Sheldon Whitehouse, 
a lot of the people would have had to stay in the Democrat primary and vote for Sheldon Whitehouse. But when it became clear that that was one-sided, Matt Brown basically disappeared from the campaign trail, complete collapse of the campaign. They were then free to come into the Republican primary, and that enabled them to vote for Chafee, who then defeated Laffey. Now, I've been told that uh, former Cranston Mayor Steve Laffey, he was in Rhode Island at Chapel. He gave, spoke to the Republican Party last May at Chapel Grill. And there are some people uh, they mentioned. Kathy Gregg, I think, mentions in the Providence Journal story, is this being driven by Laffey loyalist? And um, Susie Yankee says, oh, I don't know anything about it. But I've been told that he basically he does have some people that would like him to come back to Rhode Island from Colorado and run for governor in 2022. And he has given them an assignment, and that is to get the primary closed, because what I was told was the feeling was still was that if he declared that someone like Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, who who does get a lot of independent voters, um, that that he would be able to beat him in in an open primary. But Laffey would be very, very tough to beat in a closed primary. So I think that's something that the party's going to have to decide. I know Susie said that um, that, oh, you know, it's we're just throwing it out there. And, and I know Sue and like Sue and respect her. But I, I just I don't know of anyone else who would be so concerned about keeping a closed Republican primary. Now, on the one hand, I, 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 I get the sentiment that, you know, if you're whether you're Laffey or you're Donald Trump or whoever, you you want your fate decided by the people of the party you're going to represent. And without question, if you removed a lot of those independent, even Democrat voters that crashed in the Republican primary and voted for Chafee, he would not have won that primary. Right. Well, I, I think the it, it seems like the Steve Laffey case specifically goes right along with the, the different point of views, you know, whether, whether it has to do with them specifically or not. I mean, I, you kind of come to the same conclusion. I mean, should should Republicans, it's the same, the same question, rather, should Republicans close the primary and ensure that there is a sort of certifiably Republican candidate on their ticket or should it be open and you try to try to bring in the moderates or the people who are more independent or are genuinely unaffiliated and not just because it gives them some ability to vote in multiple primaries um, that's that's really the question and it does it does come up <clears throat> periodically even without Steve Laffey in the mix but he's he's certainly the perfect representation of the argument and makes it very clear as you just articulated it makes it very clear what the question is and as I said I, I'm personally I don't I'm not I could go either way on it um, but it'll be interesting to see it's 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 interesting how defensive uh, the people who want it get when when the news media starts to ask about it um, but you know they have to make the case and if their their supporters agree then they'll go that way folks he is the managing editor oceanstatecurrent.com justin katz you can always uh read his pieces as i do on social media and at oceanstatecurrent.com justin great job stay safe and we'll talk to you again and remember it's john DePietro on am 1380 and 99.9 fm now you can always listen online at the website depetro.com email me you can send me email. Can I email you? Yes. John at DePetro.com. Uh, uh, I also want to um, rem remind you again, check out Facebook and Twitter to get the latest. I think you're adult enough 
so I'm going to tell you what's really going on. I'm going to give you the truth of what's going on. Now, first of all, several things. The governor, and, and I have this absolutely, I am confident of my sources, my medical sources on this, my first responder sources have been impeccable. I am sticking with the people that I've known and trusted. There are far more cases of coronavirus in Rhode Island than your governor is letting you know about. Far more. Look at the sheer numbers. Rhode Island, and follow me through on this, because she's giving people a false sense of hope. What the governor is doing, what Governor Raimondo was doing, is like everything else, she controls that Department of Health. But just think of the logic here. Rhode Island was the first one. Rhode Island had uh, three uh, coronavirus cases before Massachusetts. Because of the St. Ray's situation, Rhode Island actually had more confirmed cases before Massachusetts did. Right now, Massachusetts is up to 197 confirmed cases of coronavirus. According to Governor Raimondo, Rhode Island is at 21. Does that make sense to anybody? And I want to take you inside what this is really about. I think you're adults, and I think you can handle the truth. And I think, as an adult, you're entitled to the truth. Governor Raimondo is afraid that if she tells you what's really going on, everyone's going to panic. But there's a larger motivation here for the governor. But let me back up for a second. Last week, now I was telling you as the cases were increasing, right? All last week, Governor Raimondo was saying, and she's the one running this, this whole squad here, by the way, at these press conferences. Never forget the Rhode Island Department of Health, the leader of that, that Dr. Nicole Scott, her first reaction was not to pay attention to it because it was nothing but bias towards Asian people. Never forget that. In case you're wondering, like, hey, I missed that. Check out the Facebook page. I have it posted. She does. The governor, has she ever told you the truth about anything? Is she ever truthful about anything? Does she ever say anything that's actually the truth? They want to treat you like children. They want to treat you like that you can't handle the truth and people can't handle the truth. But there's a larger motivation here. But all last week, so the, the count was five. Now, I was talking to my uh, sources within the hospitals. And first they told me, and on the air I said this, they said, we got two more. I said, it's at seven. Then they told me we got two more. I said at nine at the Raimondo press conference, they said, nope, we have five. Then I found about the two kids in Westerly. So I said, all right, my count is we're at 11. She's saying five. I had that we were at 11. What happened on Friday afternoon? Governor Raimondo had a press conference, and what did she announce? It's up to 14. So I was off by three. There were three cases I didn't know about. But notice, so she she's hiding and holding, suppressing the numbers. Now, on Saturday, Governor Raimondo announces, Gina Raimondo announces, now it's up to 20. How is that possible? Here's the thing. There were 20 on Friday. There's actually even more than that. You don't go, but she didn't want to go from 5 to 20. She's like, that's going to panic everyone. So she went 5 to 14 to 20. Then she said there were no cases overnight. Complete lie. When Governor Raimondo said there was only one more case at 21, let me tell you how much she's misleading people. There were four. Now listen, I'm not outing anyone. I respect people's medical privacy. Uh, you know, I, I, no one has been telling you the truth about this more than I have, right? So, but what this is about is the governor now has her sights. What did Joe Biden say in the debate? Biden said, 
I'm looking, I'm definitely naming a VP to my ticket. Now, he's not going to beat President Trump. That's the good news. So, but here's what's really going on. The Raimondo people have been in action. Now, she was on MSNBC last week. Governor Raimondo is sending out, her people are sending out that Governor Charlie Baker, and she resents Baker, and she's jealous of Baker. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker is the most popular governor in the country. Raimondo is the least popular. So now she is a situation she can control. She controls those numbers. Baker is putting it out there. We have 197 positive cases of coronavirus in Mass. Rhode, I <clears throat> Rhode Island started at three. Mass had none. Mass kept going up. If you check the other states, they're all going up. Several reasons. Number one, community spread. Number two, there's more people are being tested. Does it make sense to any logical person with all the amount that's out there that somehow Rhode Island now, Massachusetts is now at 197 and we're at 21. And why is this being done? Number one, she feels you can't handle it. The Raimondo pe people say we don't want to panic people. Number two, they are forwarding that to the Biden people. And she is aiming like, look at Massachusetts. I'm a governor. I know how to handle things. This will be like my ticket to be Biden's VP. He is. He has said definitely he's choosing a female. Now it could be Amy Klobuchar. It could be that Stacey Abrams. It could be someone else. But if you're Ramundo, why not get in the mix? Why not get your name thrown into the circle that you know she's being vetted? We're looking at her. She wasn't with us early on, but. You know, she's uh, very accomplished and she's handled the coronavirus very strongly. You know, if Ramundo, if her name gets floated by the Washington Post or the New York Times that she's even being considered, well, then, as you can imagine, the fundraising right flies in and then you get to do more interviews. So the, I am telling you right now, I've spoken with five medical professionals. If you read DePetro.com, look at the numbers. I was told, and I am sticking by it, I was told by people that I've known for over 10 years, over 10 years, medical professionals that I've known because of my dealings with certain hospital groups and so forth. And also, as many of you know, I mean, I grew up in Edgewood. I went to Bishop Hendrick. And so you get to, I've been around. I know a lot of people. And they are telling me it's over, it's 200, 200 cases. And that would absolutely fall in line where Massachusetts is. Now, Raimondo is saying, oh, no, it's 21. But here's what they're doing. Then the numbers jump up. She's also waiting for some people to maybe test negative and then like suppress, suppress, don't say. So then if five people are no longer have it, then you release five more. It's almost like a nightclub. The governor, from what I am told, it's almost like controlling the flow into the nightclub. Right. Anyone that's ever been there. Right. Four people walk out. The bouncer says, all right, you four can go in. So does it make sense to anyone that we started at three and then we were right there with Massachusetts neck and neck. All of a sudden they're at 197 and then suddenly we're at 21. Now at the press conferences, the local media, because of obviously my schedule, I'm on the air when they do this stuff. They, um, <clears throat> they're not asking the right questions. And there's a lot of different questions. Now, does it make sense to anyone? Kranz, the mayor, Alan Fung, he did something that I thought, and, and I think if it should have been a harsher tone. But Mayor Fung tried to say, like, hey, Cranston with students, I know you, you know me. 
you know, we are all family and I need you to stay in and blah, blah, blah. Now, I think it should have been stricter than that. And I should think it should have been aimed at the parents, but it wasn't. But Governor Amundo was asked at that press conference, uh, you know, what do you think of the video or something by Mayor Fung? Oh, I didn't see it. You know, she she can she for once be diplomatic? Can she for once put aside politics? It's not in her. Think of this. The mayor of the you're the governor, the mayor of the second largest city comes out and he's the first one to do it. Hey, listen, stay in. By the way, because Mayor Fung did that, other uh, um, mayors and governors, I don't even know if he was the first one, but he was one of the first ones. First one in Rhode Island. Now they're doing that. And then but she she can't. It's not in her to say, you know, I did see that. And I think Mayor Fung did a great job. It's not in her. Now, the Cranston West situation, I don't want to beat up on the kids from West for several reasons. Number one, I have many friends who are parents of West students. Number two, I grew up in Cranston. At Parkview, CLCF, I used to compete against them. Basketball and baseball. I'm not trying to beat up on the people from Cranston West. But how else can you explain between them and the state they mishandled the situation? You have a student who has tested positive who is at Cranston West. And they didn't shut down the school. And then all those kids are everywhere. And they're not being hard enough. Now, there's several other misconceptions. You know, I heard someone say, um, boy, the weather might be nice. Too bad everyone has to stay in the house. You don't have to stay in the house. You can go out in your yard. You can go out in the yard. You can, and kids can play. They're not, you're just not supposed to be somewhere where you're going to be touching someone. Now, again, listen to the John DePietro Show weekdays. From, from We start at 11, we go till 2 on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. That's false information that people have to stay. You don't have to stay in the house. And there's many people that have mild symptoms. I want to remind people of that. And it's very deceiving. Now, there's two points that I have to express to you. And I can't stress enough. Visit the website, depetro.com. And I, I have another posting coming up to give you the latest. Think of this. There are four workers at Rhode Island Hospital that now have coronavirus. There was one originally, and they did acknowledge that, and now there's three more. So now there's a total of four. You know what? As a matter of fact, it could even be five, because I think there were four new ones, and there was one before that. I don't even remember. But here's my point. At a press conference, Governor Raimondo and the, um, the Dr. Nicole Scott, who was blaming Asian uh, blaming Asian bias for the Wuhan flu. That's what she said. You know, uh, the the head of the Rhode Island Health Department was saying, you know, I'm hearing some people saying they're afraid to eat in Chinese restaurants. About that, That's racist. You know, no, it was. She called President Trump a racist, the, the head of the Rhode Island Department of Health. But anyhow, so they're, they're asking questions, and they asked, is it true? Now, on my website, I have it. That there are more cases, there's four people that work at Rhode Island Hospital that have tested positive for the coronavirus. And that means several things. Number one, obviously they may have infected some patients. They were treating patients. Number two, that means they're out of work. So now they're short-staffed. At the press conference, Raimondo and the Department of Health said, oh, we can't comment on health workers. We're not going to comment on that. Almost as if like it's a law you can't. Let's look at what's going on nationwide. In New Jersey... There's a doctor that works in an emergency room in New Jersey. He's in critical condition. In New Jersey, they released the fact that there's an emergency room doctor who is in critical condition and because he tested positive for the coronavirus. In Washington State, 
the state of Washington has been hit the worst of any state. There is an emergency room doctor in critical condition because he was treating a patient with the coronavirus. My point is, if in both New Jersey and Washington state, if they are releasing to the public that an emergency room doctor that was treating a patient has now tested positive and is in critical condition, why is Governor Amundo and the Rhode Island Department of Health Director, why are they saying they can't comment on whether or not a worker at a local hospital has been infected? They're making it up as they go along. They, Governor Amundo is trying to use this opportunity, and I, I, I can't believe she's doing this, but see through it. They are trying to use this opportunity, she is, to raise her profile. And her people are saying, look at the way she's handling it. Look at the way Baker's handling it. Massachusetts has 200 cases. Rhode Island only has 21. Maybe she should go around and visit some different states. And, you know, she is a true, she is not a leader. They dropped the ball on this whole thing. For anyone that really wants to pay attention, that man from St. Ray's, that vice principal, he was turned away from the hospital when he first went there. He almost died. And then it was the, the CDC that stepped in and said, get that guy to Miriam Hospital. They sent him home. He, they're lucky he didn't die, that um, uh, Mark Theobald, who, again, I, I feel terrible for the guy. In St. Ray's, they do feel terrible because they were the ones that brought it in from Italy. Now, but there's several parts of this. People can go outside. You don't have to stay cooped up. This is a time, by the way, if it's nice out, let's just say you don't have to everybody stay in. That's ridiculous. I mean, I think in different neighborhoods, hear me out now. I think it should even be organized. You can walk around the neighborhood. You just, if you come across someone, you're supposed to just stand. If you feel fine, everyone's not just supposed to be in the house. That's lunacy. This is a time everyone should be walking around the neighborhood, talking to the neighbors. Doesn't that make more sense? And checking on people. And then you see someone and then you just stay six feet away and you're outside. And you could talk to them. And, and I, I don't know about kids playing. That might be a little bit tough, even like throwing a baseball back and forth, spreading the germs. Thank God this isn't hitting the kids bad. But people can be out of their houses. They don't have to be cooped up. Who wants to stay in all day? Or if you have a neighbor, it's an excuse to talk to people. This is a time that's right. Uh, 21 in Rhode Island, not enough to shut. Well, it, it, it's just it's more than that, though. But it's going to be higher. It's going to be higher. I mean, it just is. Here's the thing that you need to know. And again, it's John DePietro and weekdays. Tune into the show, folks. AM 1380. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Listen, keep in mind, and this is so important, they're really just trying to slow down the coronavirus. They can't stop it. Look at Italy, right? The United States, if they don't make these types of changes, the United States will become Italy. So now you have to just slow it down try to give our medical professionals and give it you know what this is really about it's really trying to give a break to all the healthcare professionals that are working nonstop in the hospitals i mean that's what it's really supposed to be and when you have temperatures and forecasts supposed to be in the 60s and the 70s for instance there's no reason i got an email today from someone saying that is it okay to go play golf of course it's okay to go play golf are you kidding me I, I think other than, you know, think of the different sports. Golf, of course it is. Now, again, I, you have to be careful, and I wouldn't shake hands and being careful around different people. Tennis, someone asked me, can you play tennis? That's a little difficult because you're both handling the ball. Unless you're both healthy, I don't see any problem with that. P 
people can run, people can ride bikes, people can go outside. Everyone should be outside, right? The fresh air is good. Instead of being cooped up, this is a chance. I mean, I, I'm i encouraging people, you know, have conversations with your neighbors over the fence. It is a good icebreaker. And everyone has the neighbors that you never talk to for whatever reason, right? They don't socialize. Maybe you moved in late and they never, like, uh, reached over and said hello. Or maybe, um, you know, for whatever reason, someone's new whatever it is. So I, I'm saying you can keep your distance when you're talking to, to people. So you don't have to stand up close. You stand, it's social distancing, six feet away. I mean, I think when you control yourself, you're going to walk around your neighborhood. You, you don't shake hands and you make sure when you're talking to someone, you're six to, you can have a conversation with someone standing six feet away. You don't have to be right up on top of them. You know, I, I sometimes talk to a neighbor across the street, across the the street, literally. I'm in my driveway. He's in his driveway. So this business being cooped up, I don't think they're doing enough about that. I think Governor Raimondo and the mayors, I really think they should be harder on people and the adults. Of course, you know, Providence Place Mall is going to be closed. You have to go after the adults. You have to say to the parents, hey, listen, you're accountable, right? Your kids can't be everywhere. The kids can't be in walking around Garden City, touching things. The kids can't be inside Warwick Mall. Now listen, kids need something to do. I disagree with this whole thing of everyone should just be inside watching Netflix. That gets boring after a while. That's good for like a day, maybe a weekend, but you just can't be like that. So the fact is um, being outside, and I'm talking about people that are healthy, by the way. There are plenty of people that feel fine plenty of people that get it now i want to share with you also something that's happening so number one obviously the governor and i'm telling you you watch these numbers they're, they're not governor Mundo. she's always manipulating something she manipulates the vote she gets upset with um she gets upset with the fact that uh you know her popularity is so bad she's she's always trying to manipulate she gets very frustrated if she can't manipulate something i i just it doesn't stand to reason that massachusetts has so many more than rhode island i i simply don't believe the numbers and i think she's trying to raise her image in the state and she's trying to raise she wants everyone to say boy she's been doing a great job um it's it's uh it's just crazy what is is going on right now because i don't think many people are getting the truth here's the bottom line elderly in trouble elderly are in trouble people with compromised immune systems are in trouble the worst part about this is and i don't know if it's the worst part but most people it's not going to affect them so just just it's not going to affect you as far as you, you may get a little sick but it's not going to be fatal where this gets really bad is if in fact um if you are already sick and then you come down with something, right? If you have pneumonia and then you get the coronavirus, or if you have some kind of illness, people have all kinds of different things that are wrong with them. If you're a smoker, this is a very dangerous time. So there are, there are some people that it's, it's, it's going to hit very hard and it will be fatal. It'll be more deaths. And then there's other people that it's just not going to. Uh, elderly people need to be very, very careful i mean in anyone with a compromised immune system it's john DePietro. now remember weekdays we start at 11 we go till 2 
It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at Dipetro.com. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. I posted on YouTube, but if you go to my website, Dipetro.com, you can see the video where I was talking about the Cranston West student. I feel terrible for the Cranston West kids. They didn't know. This is where the adults have to step in. This is where, you know, this generation, you know what else? And I don't want to get, I, I think it's okay to get a little philosophical, but this is going to be the first time. How many people listening right now, you know, all right, here's a fact of life when you're an adult. Are you ready? And it, you learn it at some point. You could be younger, older. Hopefully you learn it when you're older. But ready? Here's a fact of life. Life isn't fair. I repeat, life isn't fair. Some people learn that at a very young age when they lose a parent or they have a younger sibling, something happens or something tragic happens. There are people who, you know, they learn it very quick, as a matter of fact. And then other people, as they get older, you know, they learn something happens and it can be a number of different things. Someone gets an illness. Someone gets in a car accident. Someone loses their job. Someone you know, any number of different disappointments in life where then you realize, you know, hey, you know, that's not fair, right? No one ever said life was fair. Life isn't fair. And what I think is interesting right now for this generation, um, I want to just answer this question from an email. Do I think there are other Cranston West kids that could be infected? The answer is 100%. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind. I don't see how they could be, couldn't be. Now, but it may not be affecting them but they certainly could be spreading it. This coronavirus is so contagious. Again, look at, forget just the Rhode Island stuff, forget about, forget about the, the U.S. stuff. Look at Italy. Look at what's going on in other parts of the world, just how fast it spreads. I think they were misleading people by saying, you know, it's like the flu. Because like many of you, I get a flu shot every year, and then I, I've never gotten the flu. But there is no vaccine for this. In the flu, I mean, I, I don't even know fully about the flu, but this is, if you're sitting next to someone, you can get it. That Brown University professor, think of that. He was in Portugal. He sat next to someone at a conference, and he got it. I mean, it is just so rampant. It's more contagious. What we've also learned is, now I'm wearing glasses. A lot of times I wear contacts. I started wearing glasses again. 70% of the transmissions goes through the eyes. So that's what they mean. When someone is coughing or sneezing, it goes into the air and then it can go into your eyes. I highly recommend you wear either goggles or glasses or even sunglasses, anything. And I know I have, you know, they say, uh, you know, if you don't need one of these, don't wear a mask. Well, I, I disagree, you know, and I, Dr. Lisa always wears one, but I disagree with that because it, let's just say if you were somewhere and you're wearing the mask and then someone sneezed or coughed, and then uh, the girl had to sleep over two days before she got sick. It's true. Uh, think of that. But then, and then if someone sneezes and you have your mouth open, you don't even realize a tiny germ that can then shoot in. But the eyes is a big, a big part of it. It's where it's spreading like that. And then obviously little things. Now, when they were in uh, Italy, the tour guide, St. Raphael's, I posted about this. Uh, the New York Times even credited me with this tidbit of information. So the St. Ray's kids were on that trip. And the vice principal, the uh, tour guide, got sick. He had the flu. Does that sound familiar? He had the coronavirus. The assistant principal said, I'll do this. So he grabs the microphone, and then he starts talking to the kids. Oh, coming over here. And what do you think happened? He got the virus from the microphone. I strongly recommend, if you haven't already watched it, 
I strongly recommend you watch Contagion. I think it's fascinating. Some people say, oh, you don't want to watch that. It'll scare people. Wrong. You can really see how it can spread and how quickly it can spread. That movie is fantastic. I've already watched it three times in the past two weeks. Contagion. You can rent it on YouTube for three. I think it's three ninety nine, three bucks. Uh, net. I don't know if Netflix has it, but it's on YouTube. You can buy or rent on YouTube. You can get movies there. I watched it. Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, it's also Matt Damon. For those that don't know the film, Contagion. It, it absolutely lines up with what's going on. Gwyneth Paltrow lives in Minnesota. I'm not going to ruin the, the movie for you, but I'll just give you the, the basic. She travels to um, Hong Kong because her company, there's the opening of a new building. While she's there, they're doing construction, right? They're doing construction, I believe, while she's there. They disturb uh, some trees because they're doing construction. Have you seen this? No, I'm telling you, you got to watch it. So as they're doing uh, the construction, as they knock down the tree, there are bats in the tree. The bats fly out. They've been disturbed. Now, this happens many times when they're doing construction projects. I want to say hello to uh, Giancarlo. You'll appreciate that. Um, many times people know when they're doing a construction project, you upset all the nature around there, right? And many times it's terrible, but rats come out, all different types of animals and so forth because they, they get displaced. So anyhow, in the movie, the bats fly out of the tree, and one of them flies in above a pigsty where the farmers, right, they're raising hogs that they're going to slaughter. So the bat is flying along, and then it sees, goes to a banana tree, and it bites off and has a little bit of a piece of banana, this bat. So the bat is then hanging upside down right where the pigs are in the pigsty, um, where then they're, you know, they're being raised. It's, it's, it's like a farm, but where then they, they raise the hogs. And then uh, the piece of banana falls into where the pigs are below, and one of the pigs goes over and eats it. And when pig virus crosses with a bat virus, it then gave off. See, that is a very, when those types of animals, viruses cross, and various people that listen to the program will tell you that are doctors, that's when it becomes deadly. So then they show the pig, like all of them, are brought, you know, taken out of the pen, and then they're slaughtered, and they're, it's in a restaurant. And now the pig, that the bat that was disturbed from the tree, gets the piece of banana, flies over the pigsty, and then it falls in. The pig eats the little piece of banana from the bat. The pig now has the bat virus. The pig is in a restaurant. Now, Gwyneth Paltrow in the movie, she's in a casino. She's having a blast. She had a great dinner. She's at the table rolling dice, all these different types of things. And then she's like, I have such a good meal. She's taking pictures with everyone. I'd love to get a picture with the chef. That meal that I just had was delicious. So the chef in the kitchen is preparing that pig from the farm, from the sty. So he's putting stuff in and he's preparing the pig. And a guy comes over and says, oh, there's an American that wants to get your picture with you. So he wipes his hands on his apron. He goes out and they hold hands as they're taking a picture. She is patient zero. He has now transformed the bat pig virus onto Gwyneth Paltrow's hands. She then is at the bar 
she gets a drink. Now she's handling the drink, right? She forgets her cell phone. She has her cell phone on the bar. This woman says to her, hey, you let you forget your cell phone. She hands it to her. That woman is dead within 48 hours. She puts her glass down. There's the kid that uh, is working in the casino, clearing the tables. He picks up her glass. He's dead within 48 hours. She flies back to the United States, Gwyneth Paltrow, lands in Chicago, meets up with an old boyfriend, spends the afternoon with him, gets on a plane, goes to Minnesota. She's dead within 24 hours. The next day, she's dead, actually. The next morning, she's dead. He's then dead right after that. It goes that quick. And then it just rockets. And then everyone that was in that casino... And then he was in Chicago, and then she was in Minneapolis. And then the girl from the bar that picked up her phone, hey, you forgot your cell phone, she was in London. And then it just goes everywhere. See, that's just how much it can really rock it. And, and that's why I think it is deceiving. Now, again, there are good parts to this. One of the good parts is the fact that young kids are not being affected so far. Let's... You know, if you want to pray for anything and people talk about prayer, you want to talk about a young child who already has a compromised immune system. I mean, let's be adults about this. There are. There are children that are born with lung problems. I've met them. There are children that are born that have cancer. There are children, young, tiny children that are born with a problem with their brain or they have leukemia or all sorts of different types of things. That's... You know, when, when something like that happens, it, it, and it's going to happen. I mean, somewhere, right? I mean, it just, it happens. I don't know if they're even going to tell us. I don't know if they're even going to tell you when something like that happens because it would be so horrible. But what is deceiving about this, and I can't stress this enough, and again, folks, I, I encourage you, listen again each day. Check the website. Check the website, petro.com And of course, each weekday, listen to the John DePetro Show on AM 1380. John DiPietro, now remember, listen, weekdays from 11 to 2 on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can listen online at dipietro.com. I'll share with you what's also frustrating and difficult is, and Giancarlo and Dr. Lisa will tell you this, it's so tough, it, because of HIPAA laws, it's very tough to get medical information. Because of this very difficult. Hospitals are brutal, notoriously brutal trying to get information out of. You're kind of at their mercy. They always hide behind, well, you know, patient privacy, and we have to hide the, you know, that of the patient. And as much as, like I argue, I think, what about the rights of the public? What about the public's right to know? I mean, what about that? Shouldn't that trump one person? But see, I don't believe they're really doing that in the interest of the patient. I firmly believe this. They're doing it to try to control the narrative on this story. And again, like I've been telling you, I have it on very, very good authority, hearing from valuable, reliable, trusted medical sources that the Rhode Island Department of Health and Governor Mundo and her team, they are afraid that if they told the people in Rhode Island the real number, that there would be panic. And, you know, I, I'm not even saying they're wrong, by the way. I, in fact, the way people are behaving is terrible. And I also think, I think President Trump, I think we should come up with something, some line. You know, that's what we need. We need a, um, a line of if you're in BJ's or you're in a store and somebody is hoarding, I think you, you say something like 
hey, be a good American or something like that. You know, I don't hear that enough. I know President Trump and Governor Mundo just, but they say it timidly. But we need to really, if everyone wouldn't hoard, there would be plenty of supplies, right? So these people that like, it's always that crowd. They think they're smarter than everyone, right? They, they don't do anything, but they, they're going to go and they're going to get, it's like my right to get every last thing of toilet paper. I think we need, you need something to say like, hey, be a good American, right? You don't need to take all those. Leave some for somebody else. Like, this is ridiculous. This stuff is going to be sitting in people's garages and basements. And, and the thing about toilet paper, as embarrassing that is, can you think of what's a more embarrassing product that you need? Who the, who Raise your hand if you want to say I'm out of toilet paper. I mean, it's embarrassing enough. I even to this day feel a little embarrassed when I'm at the checkout and you buy it. Like, whatever. I mean, it's human. But even when I worked at IGA, I could tell the people were a little uneasy when they're. But, like, whatever. I mean, you have to buy it. Right. I mean, I there are some, you know, there's some people that don't buy it because they have a phobia about it. But the thing about it is if it's sitting in somebody's garage in Warwick or Lincoln or Cumberland or wherever, you can use it for the next, you know, as long as they keep it uh, climate control for the next couple, couple of years. So it's not like they're buying bread and then you're like, you know, I hope it all goes stale. But we need a line. I think the president needs more of a um more, you know, the stores, that's a very good idea. The stores need to be careful putting things out because if it's there, people will hoard and take it. But I often think of there's that great scene. One of my favorite movies is It's a Wonderful Life, right? Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Potter. There's that great scene. And if you know the film where there's the run on the bank, the day that George gets married to Mary, they're supposed to be leaving on their, their honeymoon to New York and then they're going to go to Europe. And then hola ryan there's pat cordelessa and then what happens is he he's like everybody you know don't panic right we got to stick together in this thing he gives he gives a great speech jimmy stewart as george bailey gives a fantastic speech and and it calms everyone and they make it through the bank run as potter is giving everyone you know 25 cents on the dollar and george says remember you know potter's potter's not selling potter's buying and then saying, just tell me exactly how much you need to make it through to next week. And then the woman says, you know, I guess $7.30 or $5.50. I mean, and that's what it should be like. I don't hear that. I think the country is ripe for President Trump or whoever to step up. And, and there should be a challenge. This, we need this as a challenge as Americans. I really mean this. After 9-11... I think President Bush missed a real opportunity as much as I was a supporter, but he missed an opportunity when he was asked, you know, people were so like, what can we do? Right. And, and I remember it was it was just such a spirit. We had been attacked. It was awful after 9-11. What can we as a country do? And all they said was just go about living your life. That That's I don't know. I, I think it was a missed opportunity. And I, this should be some kind of rallying cry. Some kind of, if you're in a store and at BJ's or wherever you're shopping and someone's stopping shop or wherever and someone's hoarding, you don't want to get in a fist fight, but you don't want to, it has to be said like, hey, come on, right? Leave some for somebody else. Be a good American. I think that'd be better. Be a good American. A good American would leave something for someone else or be a good neighbor. You know, maybe it's not being, well, God forbid we say be a good American. <laughs> some people may be offended by it. Um, all right. Remember. Keep listening to The John DePietro Show.